0: Hey, welcome to the Fusion ATL podcast. This is Pastor Vance. If you're not familiar with Fusion, we are the Young Adult Ministry for Victory World Church in Norcross, Georgia. We meet every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at Fusion ATL. I hope you enjoy this message and we look forward to seeing you soon. What's going on, Fusion? Good to see you guys. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's very kind of you. Look, we have something special tonight. See, before I even say what it is, you're supposed to be excited just at the fact it's something special. But, man, I have the honor uh, to have one of our very own leaders, one of our coaches, is going to be bringing the word tonight. And I just want to say just a few things uh, before they come up here. One, man, the, I'm just so blessed by how faithful this person has been in serving in our ministry. I remember uh, right around the time before I came on as the Fusion Pastor, we did a worship night here. And it was, I believe it was this month, I believe it was July of 2018. And this person led one of the prayers that night. And I heard this dude praying on the mic and I'm like, that dude can pray. And, but just more specifically uh, than the ability to pray, I just, I just felt there was an anointing on his life. Um, and I, I'm just so blessed that a few years later, after building some relationships, seeing this person's character, integrity, faithfulness, their willingness to serve and to lead in different capacities as a small group leader. Um, and now as a coach and just, you've, you've seen this person communicate from this platform a few times, not preaching, but just in other ways, I have the honor to, to have them up here and to receive the word myself from them. And so, man, I just want to say Thank you to this person for serving faithfully. And I just want everybody, you know, listening and, and seeing to remember that God sees you. No matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, God sees you. Even when you may not feel seen, even when you may not feel heard or noticed, God sees you. God has an anointing on your life, and it. many of us have anointings for different things. Um, this person, I believe, has an anointing to do this right here, but God sees you, and he's placed a particular calling on your life, and he wants to bring that greatness out of you. Amen? Cool. So if you guys will do me a favor and give a warm welcome to our fusion coach, Marcus Joseph, tonight than that, a warm welcome. I love you, man. Thank you.
1: Yo, what's going on, y'all? Yo, how y'all doing? It's a little different, right? Guys, it is so good to see y'all. It is so good to be given the opportunity to speak to you guys today. And like you've always heard, This is the best place to be on a Tuesday. Whether it's your first time, whether you've been here for a minute like me, it is the best place to be on a Tuesday. Because look, let's be honest, we live in a broken world, right? Every time you get on social media, every time you turn on the TV, there's something else trying to bring or control your emotions or how you perceive the world. But when I come in here into the presence of God and I leave a moment of worship, just like we had, I'm reminded that God is still sovereign. Man, God is still in control. So I don't know what you came in here with. I don't know what type of circumstance that you walked out of before tonight. Let me tell you something. God didn't call us to live by circumstance, but by promise, by principle. And that word right there is filled with promises and principles that says that he is sovereign over everything that we will encounter in this life. So like I said, that is the reason why I am excited to be sharing the word with you guys today. I'm excited and energized because my wife, my beautiful wife, Diana, who's here. Let's give it up for her. My wife and I just came back from an awesome vacation in California. But I was able to get some of the sun. We went to San Francisco, drove down to L.A. It was an awesome time, man. I was relaxing. I felt energized and just sensitive to what the Lord wanted me to talk to you guys tonight. But while I was there, I experienced what I believe to be the greatest attack towards the body of Christ. He's like, oh, you got serious. real quick. Yes. I felt like I received the greatest attack towards the body of Christ while in California. Traffic. Y'all laughing, but y'all, look, look. Y'all might be on the same page with me and some of y'all experiencing here in ATL too. Traffic will have the strongest believer asking the Lord for a hall pass. Come on, I'm telling you, look, there's some of you today you come in here seeking redemption because you know good and well there, is, there was only one of you in the car, but you hopped in the HOVs just so you wouldn't be late for church. That makes no sense. I'm not judging. I'm, I've, I've done that. I just, I'm just trying to relate to y'all. Right? Traffic. The place where you want to say something, but you know you can't. The place where you feel like, man, if this person cuts me off, I might just have to act a little ungodly. Prayer hands won't be the only thing. Okay. (laughs) But seriously, y'all, I was in what I believe to be the greatest attack towards the body of Christ. But luckily, in the midst of traffic, going to place to place, I was able to remain sane by worship music, podcasts, the books, the whole nine. So although my face didn't show it, I was at peace. And so during my time in traffic, the worst thing towards the body of Christ, I was able to listen to a podcast that just shifted my perception. The podcast focused on success in the business place. I was like, oh, this is cool. Okay. Okay. Success in the business place. A lot of entrepreneurs. I know y'all Instagram tiles says CEO. I don't know what companies y'all have. It's cool. Maybe that's the reason why all y'all got the PPP. No, okay. I stop. I'm stop. I'll stop. 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 But I was intrigued by this success in the business place, and he named a lot of factors that people needed to focus on, but one of the main ones that stuck out to me was prudence. Prudence, if you don't know, is defined by your ability to make wise decisions. Prudent in certain situations, certain circumstances, do you show prudence? I was like, okay, this is cool. And so follow me. Let's say your goal in this season or just in general, is to start a business. Oh, y'all ain't gonna raise your hands. I just called y'all out for having a CEO tag. It's cool, it's cool. Let's say your goal is to have a successful business. So your goal, your focus, all the things that are in view that help you define what it means to have a successful business is north like a direction north, right? So if you have your compass, you start walking in that direction. You say, you know what? I want to have a successful business, so I'm going to work hard. I'm going to be diligent. I'm going to read the books. I'm going to listen to the podcast. I'm going to seek wise counsel. I'm going to educate myself. But what if everything that you've been through, whether it's your upbringing Maybe what you choose to feed yourself in entertainment or media, social media, whatever it is. What if all of those things shifted that perception to be south? You think you're walking north, but in actuality, you're walking south. What do I mean by that? Let me break that down. So. My wife and I just became homeowners uh, this past year. Yes, Lord. Y'all may not want to be cheering when y'all see the things that I require the money. The It's rough out here. So my wife and I just became homeowners last June. I'm looking at you for affirmation this whole time because and my not my thing. Last June, my wife and I became homeowners and... Uh, when you own a home, it's different than an apartment, it's different than a condo. You don't have the luxury of calling somebody up and say, hey, the heater's broken. And they just come up free of charge. You don't have the luxury of them doing routine maintenance on your, your AC unit, you don't got none of that. You have to do that yourself. So when you come home from a hard day of work and the hot water ain't on, and you the man of the house? <laughs> she look at you. I ain't got nobody to look at. <laughs> so that was my first experience of like, man, okay, I have to fix this house. So I don't have the skill set to fix this house. So I call somebody. I call somebody and they come over um he's a contractor. He comes, he has a skill set and everything to to uh, fix what was broken in the house. So I was excited. I was like, okay, cool, this is done. Dodged the first bullet of being a homeowner. But then after that, the man stayed. I was like, all right, homie, did your job, paid you, peace. But he stayed. You know, okay, you know, as fellow believers, you know, the word tells you fellowship and all that stuff. So I was like, okay, yeah. He sat down and he started talking and we started exchanging life stories. And he found out that my wife is an elementary school teacher. That's when it took a left turn. I was like, when did this happen? So out of nowhere, you know, as the man of the house, I got to maintain control. I had no control of what was going on. Out of nowhere, this man was like, you know, they're shifting, they're, they're, they're changing things up of what they're teaching in the schools. I'm not a teacher, so I don't know. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, they're changing everything. He's like, they don't allow prayer as a Christian. Yeah, they don't allow prayer. They're about to change the Pledge of Allegiance. I was like, I don't remember the last time I said the Pledge of Allegiance, but yeah. They about to change that too. And he's like, they're, they're shifting all that. He's like, you, you, you look like you uh, you're a good man. I'm like, yeah, I'm a good man. And he was like, did you know that they're teaching the wrong side of history? Oh yeah, I didn't know. Okay. Elaborate. Yeah, man. So, you know, when Jesus died, whoa, what what? <laughs> when Jesus died, he didn't really die. I was like, boy, let me just let me get my Bible ready. Let me get, I'm about to go to war. I was about to have facts. <laughs> let me get that message Pastor Vance preached. <laughs> He's like, Yeah, he, he didn't really die yet. I was like, Oh, okay, maybe, maybe it might get better for me. He didn't die yet. I was like, Okay, let me, let me hear it. I'm not going to cut him off. He said, Yeah, um, before he left the disciples, he made one last stop. I'm like, How do you know this? He made one last stop, and he went over to what we consider North America. I said, I don't have a verse to combat that statement. That is a wild statement, sir. So naturally, I'm quiet. Like He's showing crazy vibes, but. Just gonna sit here until he does something. <laughs> so he said, Yeah, Jesus, he, he came to North America and he established the pure church. I said, What? He said, Yeah, he made disciples over here They expanded his kingdom. And that's why we're here. We need to make sure we remind people that the pure church, I'm like, Why do you keep saying this? The pure church was here before the pilgrims, before the Native Americans. For the Native Americans, okay. All right, we just, like Thanksgiving coming up. So I'm like, this is shattering my whole reality right now. Yeah, so he sent them there, and they made the pure church. And so despite how crazy, y'all want to know the end of it? Okay, yeah, yeah, So, So hear me out. I, I wasn't about to go to war. Your boy was late for fusion. It was a Tuesday night. I was like, yeah, cool. All right, peace be with you, brother. Send him out the door. That was a, that was a short version of it. So y'all wanted me to go to war. Y'all wanted your brother to get, he was a big dude. But I don't walk in fear. Um, Big dude. But it dawned on me, no matter how crazy it sounded when the man was talking, the Lord, as I was driving the fusion getting ready to to kick it with y'all, he was like, pray for him. I was like, of course, pray for him. The man is out of his mind. And he was like, No, I want you to legit pray for him. I'm like, All right, Lord, well, you know, I took notes because you know when somebody's talking crazy, you text your boy, like, bro, you won't believe what he's saying. <laughs> so I, I had the evidence, pulled it out. He's like, Nah, no, put that down. I said, Okay, praying for overall craziness. And that's when it dawned on me. He was like, Lord, show me. That's my son. I want you to think what environment did he come out of? What does he follow on social media? What news does he watch that he allows this to permeate his spirit and his mind to allow it to be more sovereign than the Lord God himself? It sounded crazy. Y'all were laughing. But sometimes that's us. We allow our truth to reign supreme over the truth, right? It doesn't sound crazy because y'all surround yourselves with crazy friends. No, but you've convinced yourself that this is the truth. You read the word and you perceive it through, you know what? I'm going to read, I'm going to skip over the parts I don't agree with and I'm going to read it and allow it to fit my perception, my truth. Everything you follow on social media. You know when you when you have the explore page, they send you everything that they think, you know, they got algorithms are like, we think this person likes this stuff. We're going to send it to them. So you're you're constantly being flooded. And when the world is saying, "I know you." And God is saying, "I designed you." But no, we the world tell us the truth, not God himself. See, we've all had experiences when we're moving. See, the plumber was moving. He was passionate. He was determined. He wanted to invite me out to to some, you know, Bible study. Sounded like a cult, but it was some Bible study. But he was passionate. He was determined. And what I realized is he might be moving, but moving in the wrong direction. There's a lot of people in here. You're 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 striving. You're working. You're grinding. We're in our 20s, so it's like it's the grind years here. You grind Monday. You come here Tuesday. You grind the rest of the week till the next Tuesday, and you're flooded with your own truth. You come here. You get uplifted with the truth, but then you go back into the world and you focus on your own truth. It doesn't make sense. Just like his story, that logically that doesn't make sense. It's not sustainable. Right? So you're probably wondering right now, how do I continue to make sure that I'm moving in the right direction? So I want to turn to, if you have your Bibles, I've always wanted to ask that, but I know y'all don't. When pastors be at, you do? Girl, shout out to you. Good job. I can't judge. I'm on the iPad right now. I want to turn to John... Fourteen, And it reads, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my father as well. From now on. You do know him and have seen him. See, as believers, we aren't called to build our lives on something as fragile as our truth. We're called to stand upon the truth, which is the same yesterday, today, and, and, come on, yo. So everyone, before we take another step, we're in this, this theme of compasses and knowing which direction we should take even before we move. The question that I have for you guys tonight is who or what have you allowed to calibrate your compass? So before we go any further, I just want to pray. I just want to pray because I want to make sure that there's only one answer that you guys walk out of here with. If you guys hear nothing else from this message, understand that The Lord, your father, is sovereign. Things might shift at work. Things might shift on the news. Things might shift on social media. But he is sovereign. And that is the only person that should be calibrating your compass. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for this word that is going to permeate our spirits tonight. Lord, I thank you that we're not going to leave here differently than we came. I thank you that even right now there are things that are coming to mind that people are saying, you know what? I've allowed this to sit on your throne where you should be seated, not just on Tuesday, not just when I'm in worship, but in every circumstance of my life. So, Lord, speak to us. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear your word. Allow us to have an encounter with you, and it's here in mighty name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. "So the Lord brought me to First Samuel tonight, and I love First Samuel." First, yes, Lord. That's what I figured. Amen. So the Lord brought me to first, that was wild. The Lord brought me to first Samuel and I love first Samuel for many reasons, but because first Samuel, if you've read it, who's read it? Who's read it? I know a lot of y'all. Y'all don't want to, y'all don't want to show yourselves, but I know y'all have read it. I, I love first Samuel because it illustrates the beginning of the kingdom of Israel following the lives of the prophet Samuel King Saul and God's ultimate choice of David as king. See, God repeatedly made everyday events in their lives work for their purposes. You might be saying, but Marcus, King Saul, he wasn't, he, he wasn't, you know, a man after God's own heart. God still used everyday events to work for his purposes. But just like Samuel, Saul, and David, our response to God's calling over our lives will, will, will determine the outcome. Everybody had a specific and unique response to God's calling over our life. But today I want to focus on Samuel, more specifically, his mother Hannah. Some of y'all don't even know who that is, because y'all be skipping the verses and going to the main character. Like, I'm reading 1 Samuel, where's Samuel at? Y'all don't even know how Samuel came to be. But I want to start with his mother Hannah. And we're going to read... Before we get to that, let me lay some groundwork. Let me lay some groundwork. See, we have the opportunity to come here on a weekly basis to be in the presence of God. You guys don't even have to be in this building to be in the presence of God. It's accessible anywhere you go. Right? In 1 Samuel, to be in the presence of God, they would take annual trips to the temple. Right. Can you imagine going all year? Ah, I messed up. Well, I need to hear a word from the Lord. I got six months to go. But Hannah, Samuel's not even in the picture yet. Hannah, her husband and the other wife that tripped y'all up. I'm like, other wife. The word is like a it's like a soap opera. It's, it's beautiful. They're traveling towards the temple. And when they get there, this is where the story picks up. 1 Samuel 1, verses 4 through 6. See, whenever the day came for Elkanah, the husband, to sacrifice, he would give portions of meat to his wife, Penina, and and to all of her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. There's a couple things I want to point out here. See, Hannah is in the house of the Lord. And is blessed with a double portion, but she can't enjoy it. Why? You walk into this sanctuary on any given Tuesday and... You've had a rough week, circumstances, I don't know what they are. They could be just the craziest. I I believe we can hear the craziest stories if I just ask a couple of you guys. But you walk in here with that burden, and you see just the presence of God unfold in worship. You see people weeping. You see people taking just being in awe of God's presence, and you aren't able to enjoy it. See, Hannah had a double portion. If you, if you had never heard of a double portion, it's mentioned six times in the word. And it's given to someone, meaning that they receive a gift twice as much as what is given to others. Why? Why did her husband give Hannah a double portion? I believe that in that moment, Hannah, you notice that they said that she, her womb was closed. She was unable to bear children. There is something that Hannah was praying for, was grieving for, that she wasn't able to have. And you're like, what? Well, double portion? Are you just going to feed her? Is that going to. No, that's not to solve her problem, but it's to show her, solve her you. You matter to me. You're not forgotten. I hear your cries and I hear your prayers. That's what I want a lot of you to understand, that I may not have the specific solution or answer to whatever problem you may have. But I do believe in my spirit that the only answer that you would need as your double portion is Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, he is sovereign, he is sovereign, he is sovereign. And so that was what her husband was trying. It's like, hey, I see you, but I'm trying to give you this double portion because I want you to know that your cries and your prayers are being heard. Hannah doesn't feel like eating because of her circumstances. I get it. You come in here, you don't feel like raising your hands. You don't feel like worshiping. You don't feel like singing the songs even allowing somebody to lay their hands on you in prayer because of the circumstance. I'm not making light of your circumstance. Don't hear me wrong. But she's not able to enjoy the double portion. But if it was only for her circumstance, she wouldn't have come. She could have stayed back. That's a long walk to the temple. They ain't got no cars. They ain't got no, I'm one person. I'm going to slide over to HOV even though nobody sees me. They don't got all of that. They walk. She made that walk. Why? Hannah understands the significance of her position in the presence of God. Hannah understands that even though my immediate circumstance doesn't change, I know that the same God that was there for me yesterday will be there for me today when I go to this temple. And no matter what tomorrow will look like, he will still be there. That was what her hope was found in. And that is my reminder to you guys tonight. It's not about how you feel. I'm not saying to discard how you feel. See, She could have easily been judged for not taking the portion. Not taking the, you're not going to take this? I'm giving you double what I'm giving to my other wife. Well, so no one's saying don't feel, but she understands that God reigns sovereign even over her immediate circumstance. Your proximity will reveal his promise. A lot of you, a lot of us, even myself at times, when the circumstances become unbearable, they take the throne of where God should be. How do you know? You stop coming to fusion. They invite you to a small group and you're like, I can't. Somebody's like, Hey, what's going on? I've noticed you're different. I noticed that you're not around as often. You put the walls up. It's like, going through do stuff. But despite her circumstance, Hannah came. So despite some of your circumstances, you're still here. Right? You're still saying, Lord, I'll meet you halfway. The Lord will meet you where you're at if you move. You're proximity will reveal his presence. And so at this point, I get to the to verse six and I read the last part and it says her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. And I'm like, hold up. What's Penina doing? For the sake of this message, we're just going to call her Penny because I'm not going to say Penina all the time. What's up with Penny? We know that you gave all the children. We know that you can do whatever to make the husband happy, but leave me and mine alone, Penny. I was getting mad at Penny. Some of y'all do that? Some of y'all read the word and you be giving names to other people. I ain't even biblical. I ain't even Hebrew. Just, I'm going to call her Penny. Pen, Pen. I ain't going to get you a legal name. That's how much I don't respect anyways. So naturally, I would understand if at this point, Hannah drops her compass and tries to follow Penny. Right? Penny got the children. Penny is successful. If that's how you define success. So naturally, if it works, follow it, right? There's a lot of people here, even myself at times, where we'll get tired in the waiting. We'll get weary. We'll get worn. And we'll see others move, continue to move beside us. And you're like, Lord, do you see me? Do you hear me? And the Lord's like, I'm trying to give you a double portion to let you know that I see you. I'm right there with you. But we can't even see the double portion because we're looking at what Penny got. Like, hold up. Lord, I I see what you're doing. I know you're saying to hold on and and to put hope in that, but, but Penny has what I've been praying for. And the Lord's like, look, if you would just wait, I have something better in store for you. But, Lord, I I need something now. I need, I need, see, look, but Penny got the kiss. She got the cuteness, the chubby. I I want that. I want the big belly, Lord. Lord, not, not me. It's for the message. It's for the message. Amen. I love Hannah's story because she is a perfect example of what it means to not drop your compass and follow somebody else. God has something specifically designed for Penny, whether we agree with it or not. God has something designed specifically for Penny. You can't drop just because you can't drop your compass just because you haven't heard from God yet. Have you heard from him before? Was he faithful then? Okay. See, the thing that's funny about our generation is a lot of people older than us, they'll call us the microwave generation because we can be impatient, right? I was like, hey, us, I like my food to be cooked, you know? Anytime I go to a restaurant, I'm like, well done steak. I don't do that medium rare, medium, I don't do that. I like it to be cooked all the way. Some of y'all steak people in here, you're like, nah, I ain't rock with that. He ain't get the flavor. I don't care about flavor. Get, okay, okay. <laughs> See, I got to stop before, you know, Lord be trying to reel me in. But they be calling us the, the the impatient generation. I didn't believe that. Until I realized one day when I was sitting watching TV, just, just relaxing. I was like, man, he watches TV? Yeah, I watch TV sometimes. <laughs> and then I'm on Netflix and I see the option on the bottom that says skip intro. I said, oh, hold up. I've seen this intro already. I don't need to see this. I'm impatient. I want to get to my 20 minutes. I'll go to my parents' house. They don't have, you know, streaming apps. They don't have Netflix or anything. So like, let's watch this movie. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm watching the movie. Commercial. I ain't with it. I don't like that. This is too long. If you keep reading, you go to 1 Samuel 27 through 28. It says, I prayed for this child and the Lord granted me what I asked for him. She waited. She waited. So now I give him to the Lord. Hold up. Whoa. Pause. Time out. You give him to the Lord. But you've been asking for this. You've been praying for this. I, I would feel a little some type of way. I'm like, I would enjoy it for a little bit. When he turns 18, I can't handle him. You can have him. I want the cuteness. I want anytime Penny come up with her chubby kids, and be like, yo, chubby kid. Let's keep reading. For his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. I love this because as soon as a prayer was answered, She stepped out the way. As soon as a prayer was answered, it didn't edify her. She edified the Lord. It wasn't about her. It wasn't about her. Often we can't understand God's ways until he completes his plan. Could she have known that Samuel would one day grow up and impact Saul who would impact David? Did she know all of that? Would she have known? No. But she still used the blessing, the answer to her prayer to edify the Lord. How many of us have done that? I, I'm not that good at it. I'll be honest with you. I got married um, two years. Three. Three years this was... It's gonna be rough ride home. <laughs> ah, and this is all being recorded. Ah, got married three years ago. Said it with confidence. Said it with my chest, baby. Got married three years ago. A couple months after we got married, I uh, found myself in a snag financially. I was potentially gonna be fired um, from this job that I had. They're gonna let me go, they're, they're cutting people. I was like bottom of the totem pole. I'm like we gonna cut you. I was like, I've only been here for a couple of years. Of course, I'm gonna be at the bottom, I'm like, eh, that's cool. And so I was gonna be in a position where I was interviewing, I was, I was doing everything, and, and for some reason, I was, no doors were opening for me. I was like, Lord, I'm married, I had a plan. I, I, I had a vision of what my marriage was gonna look like, but in order to do that, I gotta have some green. I wasn't going to have that being broke. And I felt like it took the Lord putting me to that low moment to realize, is your finances sovereign or am I? Is your compass pointed towards your, sovereign, your, your, your finances or is it pointed towards me? So what are you going to do when you get those finances? All right. I'm going to hold them from you until you figure it out. So I finally get the job. Right after a couple months, after... Crying on my face—that's how I knew my wife was the one because she saw me during the ugly moments. My like, Lord, I—I—I I, I, I can't, I, I can't. But I realize that it's not about the money, it's not about the finances, it's about you. And I easily could have said, you know what? When I get this job, Lord, you know, I'm gonna work towards you. I'm gonna work in excellence. I'm gonna do the right thing. But how how many of us know that's not always the case? Right? Y'all get the job you've been praying for. Some of the gaps in the seats that y'all see is because some people prayed for a job a couple months ago and they're still working there. Ouch. Right? Why would God give something that's going to take you away from him? Why, why would he? That doesn't make sense. It's not logical. And so... I had to reach a point where I was like, you know what, Lord, I'm not going to allow this to become sovereign over my life. You will still remain sovereign. And he tested me. And I was able to have the job. Thank the Lord. Even when you have nothing to rejoice in, rejoice in the Lord. Hannah, despite her circumstances, still went to the temple, to rejoice, to cry out, to say, Lord, you're still sovereign. But she didn't have anything. The Lord wanted to see, when you don't have anything, will you still rejoice in me? Or will you disappear when I give you something? See, when, when God gave her Samuel and she gave him to God, she was saying, Lord, I trust you. I trust you. It's not for me. This was always for you. When you get the job, when you get the, the, the finance, when you get the car, when you get the, the relationship, whatever it may be, are you using it to edify yourself or are you using it to edify God? See, Hannah could have easily shifted course because the methods that she was using wasn't working. What do I mean by that? I've come to fusion. Tried the small group thing once or twice. Even went to the altar, prayed the prayer of salvation, got dipped in the pool, did all that. But my circumstances are still the same. Is my compass wrong? Mm-hmm. Oh, Penny got success. Don't need it. Walk over to Penny. She could have easily shifted courses when the methods were not producing the results that she wanted. How many of us have shifted course? When we've become so infatuated with God, when he fills us with hope, when we put all of our faith in him, but then our circumstances don't change immediately. Our circumstances circumstances don't change in our timing. You know what? I knew knew they said there was going to be attack, but I was cooling when I was, you know, Doing my thing. It was it was it was fun. Even in the midst of her circumstance, her compass was still pointed to God. I love how in 2 Corinthians twelve nine it says, "My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made per- for my power is made perfect in weakness." in weakness. That means there's going to be tough times. That means there's going to be circumstances. That means there's going to be storms that you're going to go through, but it doesn't mean that you're alone. It means that there will be a double portion there to remind you that he is still sovereign. That it may not work out in your timing, but there is a better, bigger plan that supersedes your lifetime that he wants to use your faithfulness for. Hannah wasn't going to be alive to see King David, to see all the things that would transpire because of her faithfulness. But we're not edifying God for results. We're edifying God because he's sovereign, because he's faithful, because he loves us. What can we learn from her story? Wait on the Lord. Wait On the Lord. I love how God works. I feel like God always has a sense of humor. Especially when my phone rang earlier. And um, as soon as I was, as I was preparing this message, I, I wrote that first point down and I stopped. And as soon as I had finished writing that point down, the song that started playing on uh. In the room that I was in was y'all know it, it, was it's that old school Fred Hammond song, They That Way, On the Lord shall renew. Y'all gonna make me sing this? They shall mount up on you all know it, come on now. Come on. Pastor Carl on the back's like, ooh, that's why we don't have him on worship team. Look, that song came on, and I love it. It's not just a song, it's biblical, it's found in Isaiah. But the song says, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings just as eagles at soar. They shall run and not be weary. That shall walk and never faint. They that wait on the Lord and not. No, you don't want me to sing. Love that first point. Wait on the Lord. He is faithful. He had Hannah's best interest at heart. Yes, he sees her suffering. Yes, he sees her comparing herself to old oh girl Penny. But he says, "Wait, if you if you could only see the plan that I have for you, ah, oh, oh, you you nothing else would compare. Oh, you you if you could only see, right? Y'all ever went to go see a scary movie first time, and it's like." Oh, the, the, the spiritual people are like, we don't go see scary movies. <sighs> Keep it sacred. When you used to go see scary movies, you remember how the first time it was like, this is rough. Second time it's like, man, she, she, he gonna die. She gonna die. You gonna trip. You gonna run a couple yards, trip. He gonna be right there. Sometimes we have this expectation on God, like, God, like, i put my faith in you. I won't fear what's to come if you, you kind of just show me what's going to happen. You kind of you just, I won't worry about tomorrow. I won't go to, to plan B. My compass will be pointed towards you if you kind of just show me what's going to happen. God's like. I'm trying to cover you. I'm trying to protect you. I'm trying to mold you and prune you in this season so that you'll be prepared for when that time comes. Right? Do you think Hannah would have been in a position to edify the Lord with Samuel if she just, boom, got it? Penny wasn't doing that. You, you saw where her husband was feeding all the kids. And, and Penny. Penny. But I love that. She waited on the Lord. In your waiting, who or what are you allowing to calibrate your compass? That's significant. When you feel like you haven't received a word in a while, who or what are you allowing to calibrate your compass? I ain't ain't heard from God in a little bit, but you know, um, my buddy says I can up the finances with this loan. I know, the, I know the ways that I don't have to get caught. I don't got a business, but I'm a CEO. <laughs> that makes sense. Who or what are you allowing to calibrate your compass in your waiting? So if you continue reading on in 1 Samuel, you start seeing that it shifts course. Right? We're going to start looking at a story of two individuals where They weren't as faithful as Hannah. We're going to look at 1 Samuel 2, 12 through 13. And what this will show us is what it looks like when we've allowed something or someone else to calibrate our compass. 1 Samuel 2, 12 through 13. Eli's sons were scoundrels. I had to stop there because I was like, scoundrels? scoundrels. You got to say it with like a raspy voice, scoundrels. Eli's sons were scoundrels. They had no regard for the Lord. If you don't know, Eli was the priest at the time. The two scoundrel sons were his sons, of course. Now it was practice of priests that whenever any of the people offered a sacrifice, the priest's servants would come with a three-pronged fork in his hand while the meat was being boiled? So a couple things we see in this verse. Eli had some wicked sons. They had some people that, although they were in the church, your compass should not be pointed to them. Technically, your compass should not be pointed to anybody but God. It shouldn't be pointed to me. It shouldn't be pointed to Pastor Vance. It shouldn't be pointed to anybody on this stage but to God. See, my, my whole purpose of being here is not to edify myself. I. It doesn't really bother me whether you really like me or not. Towards the end of this message, I really want to point you back to God. That's my goal, right? So the sons of Eli were wicked and didn't know the Lord. They had religion, they had a role. You know, the dad was the, the main priest, the one everybody came to Saul once a year. But that religion lacked relationship. And it was evident in the way that they conducted themselves. See, whenever you bring a burnt offering, some meat, no matter what it was, as as a burnt offering, the best parts of the offering was normally given to God as first fruits. So when you burn meat, the first thing that falls off of it for all of my, you know, grilling gurus, I'm not a griller, I want to be, all my grilling gurus When you put that meat over a fire, the first thing that falls off is the fat. And that was usually the best parts given to God as first fruits. But in their sin, they're like, nah, I I don't want I don't want you to put it on the fire yet. I want you to give it to me and then I'm going to do something with it and then I'll give you the rest. In their sin, they demanded the meat before any of the fat could be burned off. See, at times they even demanded the meat raw. Well, I don't even let it touch the fire. We, look, we know what really happens to the meat after y'all leave. So let's just skip all the, the cooking parts and let's just, just hand me over, hand, hand me the meat. They believed they had a better plan for the meat than what was being offered to the Lord. Follow me, y'all. How many times have you sat in an environment like this? Where you're being encouraged and motivated to offer your lives as living sacrifices unto God. But you know that's going to require some sacrifice. And you're like, mm-hmm. I'm hold on. See, I, I would do that, but I got this thing on Friday. I would do that, but this boat party I'm trying to go to will turn up. I come back Tuesday and get right. I won't drink a lot. How many times have we known that we need to, I'm not, even, I'm not even getting to your finances. That'll be a whole other series. I'm not getting to your finances. I'm not even talking about your relationships yet. I'm, not ta- I'm talking about your life itself, your life as a living sacrifice. How many times the guy that created you that knows your end before the beginning says, look, offer that to me because I have a plan for you. I molded a plan for you even when you were in your mother's womb. You're like, Nah. I know what to do. I got mines, But I know you'll always be there. So, you know, next Tuesday, I'll be up there. I'll come back. Just like the two sons, have you ever reached a point where you believed your plan for your life was better than God's purpose for your life? That you knew more than him? See, if we can pull anything from their story, see, their compass... It wasn't pointed to God. If it was pointed to God, their actions would follow. Their compass was pointed to themselves, to their truth. It's like the plumber in, in when, I, when, I, in the, when I started this message, the story of the plumber. The compass was pointed to himself. What can we learn from their story? I think you got to remind yourself on a daily basis, not just when you come here because his presence is accessible even at home, even in the midst of temptation. I think you got to remind yourself that it's for my good. It's for my good. That's what we can pull from this story. That's what we can remind ourselves that, hey, when there's times where, Lord, I, I, I feel like I'm being drawn to have my comments pointed because of the influence of social media, because of the influence of music, because of what I see, because of the lifestyle I see others thriving in. And they're not necessarily in church. It's for my good. That's why I got to tell myself it's for my good. In the midst of my circumstance, it's for my good. Romans 8.28 says... And now, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. When you've accepted this call of salvation, I don't, it doesn't, I'm not diminishing your circumstance. I'm just saying that even in the midst of your circumstance, he can even use that circumstance for the greater good. Right. It's not diminishing your emotions or how you feel. But in spite of that, he says, offer that to me, offer your anxieties, your worries, your fears and see what I can do with it. Not what the world can do with it. See what I can do with those things. Who or what have you allowed outside of God to calibrate your compass? How often have you sought to take control and say, I can do it better than you can. It sounds crazy when you're saying it, but that's the lifestyle that we live. So, okay, you're probably asking like, Marcus, I hear what you're saying. I feel a little conviction, but you're not really giving me how I can do this. It doesn't seem realistic. You know, it, it, it feels like that I, I get this boost of energy. This encouragement me on a Tuesday, but you don't see what I go through during the week. You don't see what's required just to live. You don't think Hannah was saying the same prayers? You don't know what it feels like to be compared to old girl Penny? To be less than? But he's like, your identity is not rooted in your circumstance. Your identity is rooted in me. So how do I do this? I want to Fast forward to 1 Samuel 3, 8, verses 10. When the Lord is speaking to Samuel, I won't read the whole story, but a lot of you are familiar with this story. Samuel Samuel is a child, and he hears from the Lord. He hears from the Lord, and it wakes him up. And it's weird back then. Right now, y'all hear something. Y'all just numb to it. Y'all just, what? But he hears an audible voice. So he gets up because the only other person in the temple is Eli. So he's like, oh, Yo, Eli. You called me? Nope. All right. Goes lays back down. This happens a couple more times until finally Eli's like, OK, OK. All right. You you're messing with my sleep. What's going on? Eli instructs Samuel to go lay down and then gives him some steps in order to shape his response for the next time he hears from the Lord. First step. As believers, we need to make ourselves available to God. How we see that. When Eli instructed Samuel to go lie down, remember when we said earlier, your position has significance. Who or what you allow to influence you has significance. Where you are has significance. The illustration that the Lord showed me was I was a couple months ago, I was having issues with uh, Internet speed at the crib. Homeowner. So, you know, all that them calls, you know, I got to handle that. I was having issues with internet speed at the crib, and so I called somebody. And they're like, you know, hey, what's going on? I, I, I can't, you know, not used to this whole buffering thing. You know, I'm impatient. That's our generation. I'm trying to do work from home. I need I need it to be faster. I need you to work some magic. The first question he asked me is, So, where's your router? I said, I don't know, what does it matter? He said, Where's your router? A lot of y'all looking me blank faces. That's how I know y'all don't y'all don't deal with that. Y'all be calling somebody and they handled it. He said, "Where's your router?" And I'm like, "Why? Why is that significant?" And he says, "If you position your router in a place where the signal has to fight through walls or other obstructions, you're not gonna get a good reception." I was like, "Okay, that makes sense." I had it in a closet. I had it in a coat closet. Don't judge me. Y'all, y'all, a lot of y'all have it in worse places. So I had it in a coat closet. I had to fight through walls, doors, clothes. And then I realized we, we come to nights like this. And we're like, Lord, I haven't heard from you in a whole week. I feel like I'm not hearing from you. I'm not hearing from you in the midst of worship but i don't hear from you on the regular what's going on and the lord's like where's your router my like, lord what you mean you've uh, you've erected walls between us that i have to fight through just to get to you and by the time i get to you you perceive me through the things you listen to the things you see on social media the community that you allow yourself to be in that takes sovereign over me. So by the time I get to you, my voice is muffled. And you can't understand me. Your reception is off. Fusion, what, what walls have you allowed to come up in your life that's preventing you from getting a good reception? Second point that we can pull from this story Recognize when the Lord is speaking. I love what Eli instructs Samuel to respond with. If someone calls you. See, Eli knew what was going on. He could have been like, hey, look, God's calling you. I've been there before. You know, that's what some of y'all expect from Pastor Vance on a weekly. He's like, Pastor Vance, just tell me what. Give me the the nine-step plan. Pastor Vance is like, but I need to teach you how to respond so that when I'm not there and temptation comes, your compass isn't pointed to the pastor. It's pointed to who's providing the voice. And so Eli instructs Samuel. He said, if someone calls you, you know what that says to me? There's a possibility that there could be competing voices. Right? You have to be able to discern, Lord, is this you? Y'all were laughing at the plumber. But in his environment, he perceived whoever taught him those things to be of the Lord. How do you know? Are you in your word? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to permeate your you, you, not just on a Tuesday night but even during the week are you talking to him some of y'all only have use for his reception when you hear, when you need something God's like that's not the purpose of, of our line of communication how are you to renew your mind daily if you only talk to me once a week recognize when the Lord is speaking wait on the Lord We said it earlier with Anna, how you recognize the Lord is speaking. Do you think Eli was like, okay, you know what? He's going to probably talk again in 10 minutes. You know, you can go back there, maybe grab some snacks. I, I wonder how long Samuel had to lay there in darkness and just wait for the next time he heard from the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Third point. This is my last Humble yourself to his voice. I love dissecting the way Eli instructed Samuel on how to respond. He said, make sure that you identify yourself by saying your servant is listening. Why servant? Why not, hey, it's it's, it's Samuel, I'm here, what's up? Eli had to teach Samuel that by saying servant, by being submissive, he is saying, God, I submit for your will for my life. I know my name is Eli, but I find my identity. I find. I say, Lord, you can do more than what I could do. I could do admitting by saying servant, by saying son, by saying that I don't. Claim the titles of this world. I claim who you've called me to be. And that's subservient to your voice. I think lastly, the thing that we got to do, guys, is admit that we don't have it put all together. We don't. Eli's role was significant because, like I said, he could have been like, yo, this is how you respond. This is what you need to do. But he was like, no, there's, there's something I need to teach him here. That's what we learn on a Tuesday night. You may not walk out of here with a nine step plan or a foolproof, but you will walk out of here with an understanding of where your compass should be pointed to and how to respond. I love that. I love that. Realize Samuel is just a child. But sometimes our hearts get so hard because we're in our 20s and maybe our 30s. And we're like, I got it all figured out. I live the life. I've been there. I have the experience. But God's like, I need you to be as a child and submit yourself to my will and wait for my call. Fusion, this, <laughs> this is what it's necessary. This is what is necessary to make sure that no one or nothing other than Christ Himself is calibrating your compass. It's as simple as that. Right? We we look at others and we question why they act the way that they do, but logically to them it makes sense because somewhere along the line they stopped worrying about where their compass was being calibrated from, said, thought they were going north, but to us they're walking in a different direction. Fusion, that's us. Without God, Jesus is like, I want to encounter you where you are. I want to encounter you on the daily. I want to talk to you. I want to make sure our reception is strong because there's going to be competing voices. I may not talk all the time, but I am talking. I love that. I love the access we have to it. It's not once a year. There's no sacrifice of of lambs or of cattle. You know what might be even harder? Sacrificing your own life. But that's what's necessary. That's what's necessary. Saying, God, you can do a lot better than what I could do. God, I have these plans. I know the career I want. I know the relationship I want to have. I know the, the, the amount of zeros I want in my bank account. But if that's not in your will, am I okay with that? Hannah had to get to a point where she said, if if I can't have a child right now, will I still stay planted at the feet of God? I love when she's praying. If you read the whole story, there's there's a point that she's praying and she goes back and and Eli confronts her and he's like, he thinks that she's drunk. He thinks that she's drunk. That's how fervently, that's how passionately she's praying. And something that I realized is that what is something that you can't comprehend that you need to have faith for? Hannah couldn't comprehend why her womb was closed. You may not comprehend why you're going through the circumstances that you're going through, but where is your faith? rooted? And so that's my challenge for you. Fusion is that you understand that your compass requires some recalibrating. It's not just when you get saved. It's not just when you get baptized or when one of our leaders prays over you. Even myself. See, the Lord had to make sure I I received this message before I came and talked to you guys. Why? Because it doesn't matter about the platform. You, I, we all have to go through the process of making sure that we're sacrificing our will, our life, decreasing so that he increase. Because we trust him. We put our faith and our hope in him and his plan. That's my prayer for you guys. As I close, as I as I pray, and and you guys bow your heads and close your eyes, I, I understand, and like I said throughout the message, I'm not diminishing what you guys are going through. Not. But I do understand that there is a double portion here for you. There's a double portion that says, I see you. There's a double portion that says, I see you when you're in your room weeping, when you're by yourself. There's a double portion that says, look, you may not have as much as the person next to you, but I don't love them any more any less than I love you. I see you. I love you. You are mine. You are my son, daughter. I see you. So father, As we humble ourselves to your voice, as we wait on your call, we understand that there is going to be things in this world that will try to compete with your call, your direction for our lives. But we want you. We only want you. Nothing in this world can compare. We've tried that. We've been there. We went to the places where we tried to edify ourselves or give ourselves joy or peace. But it doesn't compare. I want what I experience here, the peace I experience here, the joy that I feel here. I want to experience it outside of these walls. I want to walk with you, talk with you. Fusion, let that be the cry of your hearts tonight. So Lord, we thank you. That this word will permeate us. That when people see us that don't know you, by the way that we walk, by the way that we talk, by the way that they see where our compass is being pointed towards, Lord, it will give them a greater desire to seek your voice. I thank you that people won't just see us or what we do, what we say, but they'll see you in us, Father. Father. Lord, we are hungry for you. And we thank you that we're going to walk out of here differently than when we came in. It's in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Fusion, there's... Worship is about to start. And uh, we're not going to have leaders at the front right now. I want you guys to take this opportunity to... Reflect to maybe allow God to reveal to you what you've allowed to be sovereign over him to confess that you need your compass to be recalibrated hey we're, we're all here together so as the music is playing I want you to take that time whatever that looks like whether that's um, standing and worshiping maybe that's you're in your seat and allowing god to continue to speak to you i want you to take this time to really go back wait for his call and if someone calls you respond lord
0: your servant is listening amen hey thank you for listening We're so glad to have you as a part of our community. If you want to get connected any further, please visit FusionATL.org. You can get plugged into a small group there, and you can also send in a prayer request so that we can pray for you. Once again, thanks for listening, and thanks for being a part of Fusion ATL.